enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. Happy New Year from your friends at the Cape Elizabeth Church of the Nazarene. Thank you for taking time each week to listen to our sermon podcast. We pray that each message inspires you to draw closer to God. Over uh, Advent season is often a time where I find myself reflecting on what God is going to do in the coming year. That season of expectation just creates a moment for, for, for where I'm just yearning and, and looking for what's going to happen over the next year. And so I sent Diane a message and said, surprise, I think I have all my sermons what I'm preaching planned out for the next year and center this document that I've never worked that far ahead on. But I found myself thinking about the Gospels again, which is kind of funny to say in the church, but I haven't spent much, spent much time preaching from the Gospels since my first year here. My first year here, I preached a lot from the Gospel of Matthew, but we, we have spent some time there. And of course, we've always talked about Jesus. We've always been invited to his table each and every week and always talked about how the passages relate to Jesus. But we've spent time, like in just the last year, I think we spent time in Ruth. We've spent time uh, in the Minor Prophets. We have uh, spent time uh, uh, over the last few years, we've talked about um, a, a lot of different passages in the Old Testament, the exile and, and uh, uh, classic passages from there. We've spent some time in some of Paul's letters, and even um, this last Advent season, we spent some time in the Psalms. In fact, as I was looking back, the last three Christmas seasons, I was like, okay, I did the Psalms, I did Paul's letters that hit the themes of Advent, and I did uh, the prophets that uh, uh, kind of like were foretelling that there is one who is to come. And so I just found myself looking back and saying, wow, I really just should just spend some time in the story of Jesus. And so this year, we're going to spend a lot of time in the Gospel of Mark. And, though, and instead of just preaching every week from the Gospel of Mark, I don't think I can get 52, <laughs> uh, split Mark, uh, the shortest Gospel, into 52 messages. So we'll take some breaks and have some other messages. But we're going to focus on the Gospel of Mark and really just get a clear picture of who is this Jesus that we talk about? Uh, Jesus that... Uh, I think sometimes when we mention him or we use him in conversation, he he, kind of takes a shape of whatever it is that we've heard again and again and again. And it can be informed by uh, what we've read in Scripture, informed by preaching. Sometimes it's just informed by just the culture of just how we've come to talk about who Jesus is. And so we're going to spend some time uh, in the Gospel of Mark. And I want to start off reading there the first 11 verses today. The beginning of... The good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan confessing their sins. And now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist. And he ate locusts and wild honey. And he proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with 
the Holy Spirit. And in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved with you. I am well pleased. This is a a book written for people who have been wondering, you know, I've been hearing this story about Jesus. People have been talking about him. Can can I get a definitive story? Can I find out a little more about this? It's understood that uh, Mark is, Mark, the gospel as it's written, comes about around A.D. 60, 30 years after Jesus' death, which means the contemporaries of Jesus have gotten to the point where they're like, okay, we need to make sure this story is preserved. And the people who were children at the time of Jesus' death and his 30s, people who were children, like, wait, wait, I remember that story. I know that. How was that, ag- how was that again? How did those things happen again? And then there's others, other people in the church who are saying, you know, I've had children since then who are grown up and have, are hearing this story and wondering about this and asking questions, but they weren't alive then at all. What is the definitive story of Jesus? How can we talk about the one who came and lived and changed our lives and the God who gave us hope and renewed us and his Holy Spirit that has been poured out and has been changing the way we live. How do we preserve that and how do we share that with our world, with our children, and with those around us? How can we do that? And so Mark records this story. And so this story is for those of us who have been wondering, I've heard about Jesus, people talk about him. Uh, I've heard that word, I've heard, uh, I've heard people talk about him. who is he exactly? And even for those of us who have been in the church for a long time, I, I have found that just spending some time in the Gospels can be a refresher, a reminder for us about just exactly where Jesus desires to work and how he wants to speak to where we are in our life. And so the Gospel of Mark begins, this is the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. You've heard about Jesus. Let me tell you, this is just the beginning of the workings of the Son of God who has a place, a purpose, a goal, and hope for each and every one of us. Mark's Gospel is for those who've heard about Jesus but are looking for something a little more They want to find out about this person. What what does this mean for my life? What does Jesus have to do with me? And so he says, I'm going to tell you right off the bat that this, this comes straight from the prophets. Mark says, according to the prophet Isaiah, I'm sending a messenger preparing the way. When he says this is how it's written in the prophets, he's not just saying the prophets wrote something down to be preserved for some time later that we would understand. I mean, there is in the prophets a a hope and a look for a distant future. But uh, the prophets are always speaking also to their particular time, to to the request, the prayer request, the, the, the needs of God in their time. But they also recognize that those prayer requests, those hopes for God to intervene, carry with it a future dynamic, carry with it a desire and a hope that God's going to fulfill their prayer request. And so it has created a sense in the prophets of, yes, even Mark would have known Isaiah was talking about uh, the hope that the Lord would have to lead them out of exile, but yet 
it carried with it a greater hope that will be fulfilled in the story of Jesus. Let me give you an example for us. Um, if, we, um, if we have a prayer request, if we have a need, we'll bring that before the Lord. We might be praying about the weather. We might be praying about damage that happens. We might be mourning what is going on here. And when we do, we are praying specifically, God, for this situation now, we need your help. We want your, your guidance. We want your protection. And we might pray specifically about any other issue. We might have a health issue. God, uh, I, I lift this up to you. And we, it will be a specific health concern. Lord, we need your help for this specific concern. We might pray about something we've, we saw on, on the news. Lord, I can't believe this is happening. And we will pray about that. And our hearts will yearn for God's deliverance for that. But when we pray, how often do our prayers often also ask that God would provide a solution where that will no longer be an issue, where those specific prayers become a hope and a yearning for when we won't have to keep praying for that again and again, whether it's a sin trying to escape, whether it's destruction we see on the news, whether it's man-made or whether it's from the weather. Man, doesn't it seem like we keep praying about this again and again? But yet our prayers are also pointing forward to a moment, a hope of greater fulfillment, a promise that God's answer for us today will be the beginning and just a foretaste of God's eternal plan to restore his world the way he intended at creation and indeed to release us from sin and from danger and from the chaos of this world. It is a hope to bring fulfillment. And so when Mark is quoting from the prophets, He's saying, yeah, we've read these prophets before. We know these prophets. We know the situation to which they were speaking. But they were always pointing forward to, is there a a consummate glory where God just answers the needs and God provides for us a real hope? And he's saying to us, who are saying, who is this Jesus I keep hearing about? He is the very hope we have been looking for. And so he says, see, I'm sending a messenger ahead of you who's preparing the way because if we want to know who this Jesus is, we need to prepare and get ready for this. Most of the time when I preach this passage, it's the first Sunday of Advent. Like I can't can't read this passage without thinking of, okay, it's a season of preparation expectation. It's the time in which we talk about John the Baptist, the one who came and said, hey, Jesus is coming and we need to ready ourselves for for his arrival. Because this passage, when he says, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you, in the prophet, it's actually in uh, the prophet Malachi is the first section in verse 2. The 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 you he's talking about is the Lord. The Lord is going to come and dwell among his people. And we want to be ready for what the Lord is going to do in our life, for how God wants to work. And so we have ways in which we prepare, don't we, if someone is going to come? How we prepare for an arrival. Last week, if we would have had church, the way we would have prepared, we would have made sure the sidewalks were cleared. We would have made sure there was enough salt put down. We would have made sure that you could come in and it would be nice and safe. And, we, and if we thought we could have done that well, we wouldn't have had to uh, uh, cancel church. But when we prepare, uh, uh, when we are expecting somebody, we prepare. Last season, the children did it with milk and cookies. right? If you're expecting someone to come, you prepare in some way. 
And so the Gospel of Mark says someone is coming and telling the people, God wants to work in your life. The Jesus whom you have heard about, and you're wondering about who is this good news, what is he going to do? Prepare, because God is going to do something in your life. Allow his spirit to work in you and open yourself up to what he is going to do. John the Baptist becomes the voice, the one who says, Jesus is on the way, and it's going to make a world of difference for you because you are going to find that the God of the universe, the God who has created this world, has an interest in you specifically. Let me tell you about him. And John here is shown to us to be like a prophet, a lot like the prophet Elijah. If we were to look at the way Elijah was dressed uh, in the Old Testament, he's described in many of the same ways John the Baptist is. A camel hair, belt around his waist, same kind of description, which either means that was just a really long-going fashion, <laughs> or John the Baptist is meant to see, be seen as a forerunner to God's action and what, is, what God's going to be doing. And, and I, I find myself thinking... As I think through that illustration and, uh, and Russ with, wait, why did he just say, hey, this is written from the prophet Isaiah, but he quotes from Isaiah, but he also quotes from Malachi. Well, I found myself looking into it some more, and, and at the end of Malachi, what it says is, one like the prophet Elijah is going to turn the hearts and heads of your children to the Lord. And so there is a sense in which there is a promise that who we are And the generations that are going to come after us indeed will be able to see and know that God's plan and God's future was not just for this time, but for all time. And so John the Baptist tells us about Jesus. He is God. He is among us. I have no business to be anywhere near him. But when he says, I can't even untie the thongs of his sandal, the sandals were those that got tied up all the way up to the knee. He says, I can't even touch that. Well, you see, um, uh, the shoes are a, uh, uh, the shoes are, in that time, the shoes are kind of like seen almost as an unclean thing. If you go into someone's house, you take off your shoes. Or a servant would take off your shoes if you were going into a wealthy home. Uh, the, the bottom of the shoe, for instance, is something that uh, you don't touch, you don't go near at all. I had a Hebrew professor tell me an example of this, uh, a, a, a lingering cultural uh, phenomenon. He said, I was uh, visiting uh, in, in, uh, in the Middle East and uh, doing some research and stuff for whatever for, for, for his Old Testament work. And he says, and I was at a restaurant, and I was sitting at the restaurant, and I felt comfortable. And so I did what I do a lot of times when I sit down, is I just put my foot up on my knee. And I sat down like this. I can't believe I can do this. So anyway, just so you can see, sat down like this. And so, uh, so, so he sat down, and, and, and for a while, no one came to his table. And then finally, a waiter came and said, You need to put your foot down if you're going to stay here. And he said, what I didn't realize at the time was to expose the bottom of my soul to everyone else was considered an insult. It was considered an offense because that is is where all the dirt and the grime of your travels is. And it was just considered just a, a demeaning act. 
to, to show the bottom of your shoe. And after he told me that, and I was following the news for a while, I started to see glimpses of that shown, whether it was George W. Bush giving a speech and having a shoe thrown at him, or when the Saddam Hussein uh, statue fell, and I saw a, a video of that, and the people ran up to the statue, and they took off their shoes and beat the statue with it. It was a... It was an expression of insult. It was an expression of this is uh, the worst of, of what I've been through and uh, hitting you with it. And so there was, so, I mean, it gives all kinds of like illustration to even the story of Jesus when he's gathered around his disciples just before the crucifixion and uh, right, right, right at the Last Supper. And he washes his disciples' feet. And we say, oh, what a, what a strange act that is. But it was the lowest act of a servant to say, let me clean that which is dirty from your journeys. That which has come to be signified as, if, if, as the lowest of the low. And so John the Baptist says about this Jesus... I can't, even, I can't even touch the thong that's at the top near his knee to untie the sandal. I can't get anywhere near. He's so much above who I am. It is, it is, it is, the, it is the most drastic way he can say that Jesus who comes for us deserves the highest place of honor in our life. And I am absolutely nothing before him. And he says, and, I, and we're going to prepare for that. I'm going to baptize you. It's going to be, I'm going to dip you in the water and you're going to go in the water. And you're going to get drenched. You're going to be covered with water. And you're going to come up and it's going to signify that you have washed yourself clean of anything filthy and that you have repented, that you have turned to God and you've said, okay, God, I'm ready for Jesus to come into my life. I'm ready to find out about this savior that you've brought into the world. And so he's going around and he's baptizing people. Baptism of repentance, a way of preparing for Jesus to enter into their life and just getting them drenched in water. And he says to them, I'm doing this with water. This is just preparation for Jesus to come. But when he comes, he is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You are going to get drenched, covered with the Holy Spirit, that God's working in your life is going to become evident, that God's power in your life is going to become evident, that he's going to be able to help you to live freely into the repentance. This is what it means to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, that God's Holy Spirit would work in you, and you are going to have that relationship with God, in which you're no longer wondering, okay, God, where are you now? But you're saying, okay, God, here you are, and how do I live faithfully in the midst of precisely where I am? This is the story that John the Baptist is laying out for the people, and the people are saying, I'm ready I want to see what God's going to do in my life. I've been wondering where God is. I've been wondering when God's going to answer. I've been wondering what happens next. And John says, our hearts turned in repentance to him will yield the presence of God's Holy Spirit in our life when Jesus comes. And they're ready for that. And so Mark continues on and says, so, so here, here's Jesus 
We find ourselves saying, okay, we've talked about John saying he's a big deal, but who is this Jesus now? Talk about him being a big deal. Now, now who is he? He comes from Nazareth of Galilee. To hear that would be like, wait, from where? Nazareth of Galilee. Nazareth, I, I'm convinced the only reason Nazareth is on our maps today is because Jesus came from there. Nazareth of Galilee is not where they would expect. It certainly isn't Jerusalem. It's not even in the same province. It is, it is not the area. He, anyone from Galilee probably has a different accent. Everyone from Galilee probably approaches life differently. Yeah, to be from Galilee is the exact opposite of what they would expect for someone who is representing the way that they have heard about God all of their life. But yet, that is where Jesus comes from, and he goes to John and is baptized, and we have an amazing scene here. And I love that we read from Genesis chapter 1 today, because I cannot imagine this scene without also imagining the creation narrative. And in Genesis chapter 1, the Spirit of God hovers over the waters, and out of that, something is created. And in this moment, Jesus is baptized into the waters, and the waters have long signified the chaotic work of our world. And when we look around, we can see just how destructive the waters can be and understand why they can be representative of something fearful, awe-inspiring, and also dangerous. And Jesus is baptized into that water and comes out And when the heavens open and the Spirit comes and descends on him, it says, like a dove, the Spirit of God works in Jesus and says, out of that chaotic water, there is God's redemptive plan for all the world. Indeed, to make right all that is wrong, to restore all of creation to relationship with God, that in Jesus Christ we would find there is hope and there is future for each and every one of us. And it comes in a most unforeseen, awkward situation. A person from Nazareth and Galilee coming out of the Advent story. Someone who was born in a manger. This is the story of Jesus, the one who is our salvation. And the one who will restore indeed God's plan and hope For each and every one of us. The voice from heaven cries out, You are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. It is a voice that speaks, I am pleased to dwell where my people are, and I will embody this person, Jesus Christ, and you will see indeed all that God has in store for his creation in this one. It is, it is a story, then the Gospel of Mark just begins with a simple statement about who Jesus is. And we are invited into the story saying, okay, I've heard stories about who Jesus is. I know who he is. Maybe I've heard about him a good deal of my life, or maybe I've only heard about him for a little bit from people who have told me stories or from old uh, Uh, or from when I attended when I was a child, or or different events I've been to. Who is this Jesus really? And the Gospel of Mark says, you are about to be amazed by what this Jesus can do, and what it means that God is pleased to dwell here among people 
who are just crying out and saying, what happens next? Am I worthy enough to be anywhere close to someone like this? And we are going to find that for all the unworthiness John speaks about, this Jesus finds himself pleased to dwell precisely among people who aren't worthy. And we will find ourselves shocked to see that this is the God who works in our life when we are saying, okay, God, where are you now? What does Jesus mean for me today? And so in the midst of whatever we are facing, whether it is something we are struggling with, whether it is a challenge of what we have to put up with these days, whether it is the challenge of um, health concerns or financial concerns or whatever it is that comes our way, to know our God is pleased to enter into wherever our needs are. And there we will find Jesus has loved us and wrapped us up into the plan that God has. This is the beginning of the good news. The beginning of the gospel is this. God is pleased to burst forth from the heavens and make himself present among us. And we are invited to open up our lives to what God is going to do when he bursts forth and moves in our life and in our world. Let us go before him with repentance and see, and see what God is going to do in our life. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I come to you today asking that uh, you would help us and meet us <clears throat> precisely where our concerns are, where our worries are, where our fears might be. The Heavenly Father, we would see indeed that you are the God who is bringing everything to completion. That you are the God who has a plan for us today and a plan for us tomorrow. That you are the God who has not forgotten us, but you, Lord, you are with us. And Lord, we want to be able to see and know that you are the God who is working in our lives. So I pray that you would help open up our eyes to see the many ways in which you break into our life yet again. And Lord, uh, I know that sometimes our eyes are closed, our backs are turned, our attention is off. We are not in a place where we are able to really uh, open ourselves up to what you might be wanting to do in our life. And so, Heavenly Father, may we yield to the words of John the Baptist, who is saying to us, our God wants to meet you and be close to you. Heavenly Father, may we turn with repentance. May we say, God, forgive me for where I have turned my back. And help us, Heavenly Father, to turn our attention to you and what you are going to do in our life. Heavenly Father, I am pleased to go on a journey of finding out how your son Jesus Christ meets us day in and day out. And Lord, I'm praying for your guidance and your help today and in the days to come that we would just be open to what your spirit wants to do, to the ordering that you want to make in our life. Lord, I give you praise today. Mm-hmm.
I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. More sermons are available online at our website, capenazarene.org. Our website also includes instructions for subscribing to our podcast so you can have a message delivered to you weekly. May God bless you as you serve Him today.